that also shows how biblical counseling and teaching an ABF can become so synergistic because key to effective biblical counseling is learning to ask good questions. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Pastor Dustin Folden, who's served on our pastoral staff since 2010. You know, like all of Faith Pastors, Dustin wears a lot of hats, including overseeing our assimilation and discipleship ministries. He also serves with our point man groups. And so we're very thankful for all the work that Dustin does at our church. And what we're exploring today is the relationship between biblical counseling and biblical counseling training with core issues in local church ministry like discipleship and assimilation. And one of the things we say a lot on this podcast is there's a difference between a church having a counseling center and being a counseling center. In other words, what happens when these twin doctrines of the sufficiency of Scripture and biblical progressive sanctification, when they start penetrating and permeating all facets of local church ministry? So it's not just a something that's done in the counseling room. It's something that's done throughout the entire church ministry. And Dustin is just an ideal person to talk with us about it. He thinks a lot about just the overall accomplishment of the Great Commission, and not just what that looks like in, shall we say, highbrow theological terms, but what does that look like on the street? What does that look like day in and day out? What does that look like on the Lord's Day in local church ministry? And I know that the people that listen to this podcast. That's what you care about, is local church ministry. So how do we make the connections between biblical counseling and local church ministry? I really believe that Dustin's going to be able to help us in that. So Dustin, thanks a lot for just taking the time to be with us today. It's great to be here. So how'd you become interested in pastoral ministry? Well, I actually got saved in college my sophomore year, and I was discipled here at this church through our college ministry. And during that time of discipleship, I was encouraged to attend our Monday Biblical Counseling Training, and that is actually what the Lord used, Biblical Counseling Training, to cultivate in me a pastoral heart to shepherd people. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because that's not something that we would typically think about is a way to do college ministry or a way to do discipleship would be to encourage a college student to go through a Monday training program in biblical counseling. But that's the way it worked for you? That's the way it worked for me, yep. That is really cool. I'm glad that you told me that. I had forgotten that particular detail of your story, so that I think is just another reason why churches ought to consider not only having a biblical counseling ministry, but also having a biblical counseling training ministry is so that with key people they're trying to disciple, if they can free up their schedule on Mondays or whatever night they're doing the training and the counseling, that could have a real impact in somebody who's trying to figure out at college level 
what to do with the rest of his or her life. Exactly, exactly. That is very, very cool. So you also went to our seminary. I did go to our seminary, and it was an incredible blessing. The Lord grabbed a hold of my heart. I was actually studying engineering at Purdue, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to shift from engineering to be a Christian filmmaker because I became saved and wanted to do that. During that time, after seeing people on the front lines change and grow, I got more excited about seeing people saved and discipled than about making movies. Hmm. And during that time, our seminary was starting just, you know, in the planning stages. And so I shifted my focus from some graduate work in filmmaking. There's also a girl involved to head back to uh, (laughs) uh, my hometown to court my now wife, Trisha, for marriage. And so we got married and one year into marriage, came back here for seminary and grew a ton, not just in the scholarship of learning God's Word, but how to practically apply it in pastoral ministry. And you were also in a personal situation where you're newly married, so you have all the opportunities it is just to build those habits into the way you were establishing your home and that sort of thing. What a fascinating time of life for you. Yeah, it was a lot of growth and a lot of application right away of how to get to my heart as a newlywed, and it really set up the trajectory of solving problems early on so that you can enjoy the blessings later, which is a huge tenet of biblical counseling. And also, as a seminary student, you were involved in the biblical counseling ministry, you were involved in our community center work and that sort of thing. Can you tell folks a little bit about, you weren't just studying Greek and Hebrew, though you were certainly doing that, but you were also immersed in local church ministry. How did that round out your seminary education? The scholarship was fantastic, but the actual practical living it out was something that prepared me for ministry in a way that I don't think can really be captured from whether it's folding towels or cleaning toilets or just learning how to welcome someone and be friendly even if you're exhausted and putting others ahead of yourself by serving in one of our community centers was critical to, I think, ministering to people in a way that God is glorified when it's not always easy. Yeah. Yeah. So then you had the opportunity after you graduated from seminary to jump on our staff. Is that right? I did. I had that privilege. You, you let me stay, and I am very <laughs> thankful for that. And we're very thankful for you. So now let's think about, so you go through seminary, you've come to know the Lord, you've been impacted by biblical counseling, you've got some experience now in local church ministry and starting to see it flesh out in both the counseling center and also our community centers. So now you're on staff. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, one of the responsibilities you have is to design our Faith Community Institute classes. I assume a lot of people even hearing that phrase wouldn't know faith. What is that? And we use all the the different word salads and and letters around here. So we call it FCI. Alphabet Soup. um, Alphabet Soup. So Faith Community Institute. Can you first of all just explain to people what is Faith Community Institute? So FCI, or Faith Community Institute, meets on Wednesday evenings, and it allows folks to take classes from our community as well as from our church to help them with practical issues as well as learning about the Word of God and applying that to their lives. And so it's a variety of classes, a smorgasbord of classes, Mm -hmm. that um, are interesting to people but are seeking to draw them in to um, learn about the Lord, but also learn about areas that they would be interested in that would be a benefit to them. 
So we try to set it up sort of like a community college yep. where you might get a magazine from your local community college in the summer saying, hey, this fall we're going to have a certain number of classes that you can attend. They're short, they're four weeks, they're six, eight weeks, whatever it is. But it's just trying to be a service to people in the community about whatever it might be. We're following that same model of trying to plan classes that are going to be helpful to people in our community, but based on the truth of the Word of God. So what does the Word of God say about finances? What does the Word of God say about grieving? What does the Word of God say about divorce? Or what does the Word of God say about marriage or communicating? Just all on and on and on. And so instead of simply having a prayer meeting for the church family, although we're all for that on a Wednesday night, but we also want to have it geared to the community of what are the topics that would be especially helpful to persons of interest to people in our community, and let's start there. Yep. And your responsibility is to figure out what those various classes ought to be. Yep, and we just finalized our lineup for the fall, planning ahead, and classes like how to budget or how to think about your finances, or one is how to plan for the end of your life, mm. to think about end-of-life planning to be a blessing to those after you die and help them be a good steward. And so things of that nature. We also have a class coming up on, on doing calligraphy, Hmm. or how to letter. Uh I think that's the technical way to talk about it now. Uh But here are folks who want to write beautifully and create things that are artistic. Hmm. But you walk into this class on lettering, and what are they going to be lettering? They're going to be lettering passages from Scripture. And so here's someone who comes in just wanting to make beautiful art, Mm -hmm. but they're lettering the Word of God around other people who love Jesus. Hmm. And the idea would be, oh, this was a great experience. Oh, here's a little taste of the Word of God. Maybe I want to come not just on Wednesday, but I want to hear more about this on Sunday and Mm -hmm. get more immersed in the beauty of imbibing the Word of God Hmm. rather than just putting it on my wall. But it starts there, something you're interested in. And you draw them in more and more and more. So what do you see as the relationship between biblical counseling, biblical counseling principles, and being able to have an effective faith community? What are the segues, the connections? With biblical counseling, you always want to meet people where they are. You want to build involvement. You want to learn about what their desires are, what they're interested in, and kind of really see how uh, maybe they want to get better with their communication with their spouse. And that might be the presenting problem or the Mm -hmm. presenting opportunity, but there's so much more that you want to help them see maybe the reconciliation they need with their God, their vertical relationship. And so that principle of meeting people where they are and having a class that might interest someone in the community, but help them to see that this is a blessing, but there's so much more. And that's a great inroad, a great philosophy of, Mm -hmm. we want to draw you in and have you enjoy this, but there's so much more we want to tell you about, about the Lord. Well, and it's the difference between what Sunday looks like and what Monday looks like for us, since that's our counseling day. On Sunday, you know, last Sunday at our Faith East campus, I had the privilege of teaching from Numbers chapter 13. Well, I start from a passage of Scripture and try to do solid exegesis of that passage and then move out into practical application to the people who are there. Well, on Monday, I didn't start my counseling session by saying, please open your Bible to Numbers chapter 13. Right. I started trying to find out what is it that's going on in your heart and life right now? What's the greatest need? And then let's move to the appropriate place in the Word of God in order to try to help you. Yep. 
There's a sense in which the way you're describing Faith Community Institute, even from a planning and execution perspective, it's more like a counseling session than it is like a Sunday sermon, isn't it? Yeah, trying to draw people in and really build a relationship with them in a way that's beneficial to them, but ultimately glorifying to God. What I like about that, too, is that model is something that practically any church could follow. So it doesn't—if you have a room— you don't have to have expansive facility resources and that sort of thing. And you don't have to, with social media anymore, you don't have to print or spend a lot of money on that. We do, but you wouldn't have to. So if there's a church that says, I just want to get involved in finding ways to connect these principles to my community, starting a Faith Community Institute on a Wednesday night or just whatever, that really might be a winning ministry strategy. Would you agree? Absolutely. And there's so much giftedness in the church body and interests. They can use that passion they have right. in a way to share with others, but in a kingdom-focused way with purpose to develop relationships that ultimately lead to people hearing about the gospel and knowing Christ. But it often starts with things that people are passionate about, like lettering or whatever. Well, and that's a good point, is for church leadership just to look out over the congregation and find out what are the various giftings that the Lord has provided, and let's organize our classes around that. And I think of one woman who's taught finance classes here for years. She's just excellent in that particular area and has a passion for helping individuals and families organize their finances in a way that is consistent with Scripture. Well, if you have a person like that in the church, it's not hard to go from that to offering a finance class. Right. Or we have another family in our church. They are just especially gifted around mercy ministry, especially with people who are grieving. Mm -hmm. And so it was just logical for them to lead our grief share classes. And, you know, in every one of our communities, there's always people who are grieving and could be greatly helped by relationships and biblical truth. Well, it doesn't take much to find a person or a couple who are especially gifted in mercy who would just be excellent at leading a class like that. So this is low-hanging fruit in a lot of ways. If, if you're interested in connecting biblical counseling principles to overall community ministry, that's pretty low-hanging fruit, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it combines in a way that's incredibly helpful if someone that you're counseling going through suffering, also goes to a Wednesday night class right. like Grief Share, that education and application and community really helps the whole overall growth process, not just the counseling. Well, and would you also say that in reverse, that mm -hmm. sometimes a person may not be ready to sign up for biblical counseling, but yes. they might be willing to take a class like this, and if they get a taste of what the Word of God says about the area that they're concerned about, that, and yep. we're telling people during the class, listen, if you would like additional individual counseling, it's available for you, that might be the segue to the counseling room. Absolutely, and in all of our other adult ministries as well, because you want to take the stigma mm -hmm. away from, we need help. Yep. And if we talk about that openly in other class contexts, it helps people realize there's help available and it's okay for me to ask for help. Yeah, so there is a sense in which those Faith Community Institute classes start feeling like a group counseling session in that there's 20 people in a group working on their marriages together. There's 20 people in a group working on finances together. It's, it has that feel, doesn't it? Absolutely. 
Yeah. So can we transition into the work you're doing with our adult Bible fellowships? You know, a number of years ago, many churches stopped having what we used to call Sunday school classes. It's hard to staff children's ministries. It's hard to staff adult ministries. So some churches stopped doing that. And, and we're not here to judge anybody else where everybody has to answer to the Lord of, for just how they're accomplishing the commission that the Lord has given us. But we have continued to have children's ministries, and I'm very, very thankful for Pastor Garner and all the work that he does in organizing that. We've had adult Bible fellowships, and in other words, adult Sunday school classes, and we've even seen that as part of the core skeleton of our discipleship ministry. So we encourage people to do three things on a Sunday morning, to go to a worship service, to go to an ABF, and then look for an opportunity to serve in children's ministries. So that's a big commitment. Not everybody does that. But we certainly encourage people, and we say to people in our Intro to Faith class, which is for people who are new and considering membership, really to get plugged in around here, you need to be in an ABF. And so you oversee a lot of that, Dustin. So can you talk to us about Adult Bible Fellowships, and what is the relationship between biblical counseling principles and that? Sure, sure. So... ABFs are not a second sermon, mm-hmm. and one of the beauties of the counseling relationship in room is there's a back-and-forth discussion about mm-hmm. the Word of God and applying it, and in a, a larger scale, an ABF is a Bible study, but not just a Bible study, a group discussion of how we're applying these principles together. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes people that I've been counseling, I have as part of their homework to go to an ABF because I want them to see what it looks like to live in community Mm -hmm. and to hear other people discussing the Word of God Mm -hmm. and how they are seeking to apply it or how they're fighting sin or how they're enduring suffering with examples or the wisdom they've learned over years. And so ABFs are not another sermon. It's a robust discussion where people are studying passages together, praying together, serving together but you're hearing other people talk about how they're trying to apply a text you're studying. So how do you, even as you're preparing, because you're in our preaching rotation at our various campuses, so you're preparing sermons, but you also regularly teach adult Bible fellowship lessons. In fact, you probably do more of that than the sermon prep. How is it different when you're trying to put that together? Well, as you have taught, working ahead always helps, and we've got a great team, and so maybe another pastor has done a series that I can utilize, or I write one from scratch myself, or it's something that you often have to just work ahead on a series and kind of get out ahead of it, and a lot of the other ABF teachers kind of lag behind me a few weeks, so I've got some margin if there's a a preaching week or something of that nature. But one of the things that I've learned in this process of writing the lessons is it probably is uh, takes the most time to write good discussion questions, mm-hmm. even more so than a good outline on different historical background, per se. And one of the ways that I learned how to do that was by Doc Smith. Mm. I observed him in seminary mm-hmm. as part of my counseling training, and he's a master at asking good questions, mm-hmm. and not just one question, but linked questions that draw out the heart, and then knowing the Bible passage to really direct the conversation, too. So a lot of ABF lessons are about asking good questions 
And many times, if you develop good questions in an ABF lesson, you can reutilize that principle of the question, but adjust it to the text you're studying. And so that's one of the time consumers is trying to think about the number of questions, the type of questions that facilitate group discussion that's going to be edifying. Which wouldn't at all be part of sermon prep. You're not doing that in sermon prep at all. Right. But I think that also shows how biblical counseling and teaching an ABF can become so synergistic because key to effective biblical counseling is learning to ask good questions. Yes. That's core to that necessary skill set. But the more that you do that, it puts you in a position where it's much easier to do it when you're thinking about crafting questions for a larger group discussion. And you're right with Pastor Good and Dr. Smith, as I would watch them prepare they would put the, and I'm talking about not for a Sunday sermon, but for an ABF lesson or another small group lesson, they would spend at least half of their time on crafting questions. And this is back in the days of overhead projectors. I realize some who are listening. What is that? Yeah, they won't have any idea what that means. Just Google it or go to the Smithsonian, I guess. But, you know, they would, after they had put together the outline of what they were going to teach from a content perspective, they would spend time writing out questions on a piece of transparency film that they were going to use in the discussion. And it was so helpful when you were sitting in on that kind of teaching. You were benefiting from whatever the teacher said, but you were benefiting a lot from what other people in the class were sharing as well. Is that what you found? Yeah. And just how the discussions layer on to each other, it's almost like there's a, a parenting aspect where you're telling your kids something over and over again, but when somebody else mm-hmm. says something, yep. it just, it's, for some reason, it just resonates in the way they said it because of their speaking from their experience or, or what have you, that just resonates. And we see that in ABFs where people are impacted by what other people share and when they're vulnerable. Well, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying about Faith Community Institute in that you also have the issue of, for someone who is in counseling, if you can also encourage them to be in an ABF, now they're watching other people process the Bible. So it's not just, well, pastors do that, but they're seeing everyday followers of Jesus Christ are in the habit of taking principles from the Word of God and applying it practically to everyday life, practically to ways that they need to change and grow. On the flip side, someone might start in an ABF, but if they're attracted and intrigued by seeing the sufficiency of Scripture played out in real-life problems, that very well could motivate them to say, you know what, I want to get into counseling too, because I want to hear this same process applied specifically to the situation that me or me and my spouse are working on right now. It all works together, doesn't it? It does. And one of the ways I've seen it work together most effectively is when you are not thinking about yourself— and you're thinking about other people's prayer requests, Hmm. or a meal train is getting set up for so-and-so who's having surgery, and I want to be a part of that to make a meal for somebody else, even if I'm kind of going through some of my own struggles. Interesting. That dynamic of serving others, bearing other people's burdens, thinking of others rather than being self-consumed goes back and forth between counseling and adult ministries, That which is critical to not be focused all about yourself. That's interesting. Some people know that our next-door neighbor's home just recently burned to the ground, and it was a beautiful log cabin, and it burned, and it burned quickly. It was an incredibly hot fire, and they 
lost everything, humanly speaking. Thankfully, there was no loss of life. But I was actually involved in fighting that fire. It was a, just a fascinating experience for sure. It's impacted me since that night of just asking myself over and over now, what is it that you have to complain about? You know, now I can stand out on my deck and see my neighbor's charred remains of their house, and it really does impact you. And I could see how that would happen in ABFs as well. Sure, I have my share of problems, but when I see someone who is in need of a meal train because of a death or because of some episode of significant suffering, that does put a balance on what we might be facing individually, doesn't it? And when you live in community where you are thinking about other people's struggles, the temptation might be, well, that's going to make my life more complicated. Like counseling, I have to listen mm-hmm. to other people's struggles. That's going to weigh me down. Or being in an ABF where other people are going to share things I have to care about. But what I have found is when I bear others, people's burdens, the Lord often uses that to strengthen, encourage, bless me in ways that are, it's good for me to be thinking of others rather than myself. Mm. Now, you also work with our point man groups. Can you explain to folks who are listening exactly what that means, and then how does biblical counseling fit into that as well? So this is a wonderful ministry. We have ladies' small groups and men's small groups, and we call them point man groups. So I have the privilege of leading one of those actually this morning, Thursday morning, and many of the men come from my ABF. Mm -hmm. So there's a synergy of living life together, encouraging each other on Sunday, on Thursday, as well as if there's serving opportunities during the week. And so we're trying to sharpen each other more than just one time a week, if possible. The joy of the way that we have decided to structure it is uh, a group of men come together for fellowship for about 25 minutes where we have coffee and someone brings in a sharing, bringing in a, a breakfast, something small. Then we talk about the sermon. We talk about your sermon on Sunday and how does that impact us as godly men and godly leaders? How can we apply that and think about just not complaining or leading even when things are difficult because we uh, want to point people to the Lord. And then we shift gears and talk about, this is a great counseling example, can you give me an example this week when your heart was close to the Lord, where you were really focusing on living for Him? And can you give me an example this week when your heart was far from the Lord, when you were really focused on what you wanted, your desires? And that is like a group counseling scenario. Where you're constantly trying to find the bookends of how your heart functions. And so you're more aware of what you're desiring and if it is the Lord. And having to come together with other people and talk about that and share it helps you grow, both preventatively, because I don't want to do things that that I have to don't honor the Lord and I'm gonna be held accountable for, but it also helps me understand my heart dynamics on what am I really loving. And so that group, those are some of the men that I've grown the closest to in the church because we're talking about the times we please the Lord and the times we did not. That interaction, not just in a counseling room, but in everyday, weekly adult ministries, I think is critical to the health of spiritually godly men, as well as everyone. You know, I think for some folks listening, they may say, you know, now I'm getting the idea that this isn't just an approach to counseling. This isn't a one hour a week thing that's done in a sterile environment, but these principles do penetrate and permeate all facets of local church ministry. It's also, I think, it demystifies the counseling idea. And I've had a number of pastors over the years who, what really helped it click for them was to say, you know what, what you guys are talking about is just discipleship. Yep. Yep. But it's discipleship in all kinds of different formats, but it's not a 
content-oriented discipleship, where we just get together to learn more Bible stories or Bible facts. It's the two words in the Great Commission that are often missed. It's not teaching them all that Jesus commanded, but teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded. That's really what it is that you're talking about, whether we're discussing Faith Community Institute on Wednesday night, whether we're talking about adult Bible fellowships on Sunday morning, whether we're talking about point men groups wherever they might meet, or women's Bible studies, etc., etc., they all have a counseling feel because we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture and because we believe in biblical progressive sanctification. Yep, and that community coming together really allows us, as Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, to stimulate yep. one another to love and good deeds, to actually walk, to live out your faith. Well, hopefully to the glory of God, the net effect is men and women be changing, Mm -hmm. men and women becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, men and women becoming more faithful followers of Christ. Well, Dustin, listen, thanks a lot for your faithfulness. Thank you for just thinking so carefully about these matters, for working so hard at it, and then for sharing it with our listeners today. My pleasure. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts. And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.